0: in Revelation chapter number 10, Revelation chapter number 10, Revelation 10. Kind of notice that every once in a while as we go through the book of Revelation, it's like there's a break in the action for a minute. And I think the break in the action, anytime that there is, it's kind of to just remind us about what the book is all about. You know, in all reality, the book does cover many judgments and many things happening and the crazy, chaotic things on earth. But the book of Revelation is the revealing of Jesus Christ. The book is about him. So yes, there's some details about the end times that are covered throughout the book of Revelation, but the main theme of the book of Revelation is Jesus Christ himself. And we live, we live in crazy days, don't we, even today? Didn't you even, did you hear earlier today that emergency alert thing? 5G, 18 gigahertz frequency being sent off it was going to make some people some chromosomes inside of them turn off and they're going to turn into zombies or something did you hear that whole thing yeah someone sent me an article about that i was praying there would be no zombies in church tonight just in case and so and uh could you know would the holy spirit of god overpower the zombie power inside of a believer or is this the zombies only non-believers who knows but literally some people thought i heard that you were it was Connor last night. We were going to the rescue mission, and Connor said, yeah, my mom said you told her to put her phone in the microwave for like three hours. No, 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 that didn't come from me. I don't spread stuff like that. But some people did. They, they would turn their phones off and put it in the microwave because they didn't want the frequencies to get them in any way today. It's how crazy our world is. And you know what? There's probably a little bit of truth in that 5G, and that there's probably a little truth in something weird about it. Because Russia had one today. The whole world had a big alert system today. So they probably have to have that ready so when the rapture happens, the alert system's ready to let everyone know what to do after that time. No, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying all that. Don't, don't buy into any of that. I, d- when people start telling you all that stuff, and you start watching InfoWars. InfoWars is where that one came from, that literally people are going to be zombies tonight. But if it didn't happen today, they said there's still a chance next Wednesday at the same time it could happen again. So they're perfecting it, getting it ready, and so just praying none of you turn into zombies or anything like that. So, and uh, praying I don't. That wouldn't be good. Pastor seeks blood. No, that just doesn't sound right. So, we'll just leave that there. And so, anyways, but our world—it's nuts. You look at everything going on everywhere, and look at Congress—how crazy in the past two days all that's going on there, and no one's getting anywhere with anything anywhere. And what people need is Jesus Christ. They don't need to be a Republican. They definitely don't need to be a Democrat, but they don't need to be any of those things. They need Jesus Christ. The world needs Jesus. That's what the world needs today. And uh, I'm more and more convinced that every single day, and each of us should be. So tonight as we look at chapter 10, we've looked at the fifth and sixth trumpet last week. And it's like there's a break here in chapter 10. Only 11 verses, not a long chapter. And really I believe that this ushers in the second half of the tribulation after this time. And so chapter 11, when we get there, I told you you can't take the book of Revelation and try to chronologically put every chapter where it's supposed to be. Because this kind of leads into the wrath of God, the seventh trumpet, and then the vials of wrath are poured out on the earth. That's what's coming. But the thing that you'll notice is, when we get to chapter 11 next week, Lord willing, the two witnesses are mentioned. And the two witnesses only prophesy for half of the tribulation, and probably the first half. Even though this passage here kind of introduces the second half. That's why you've got to take things and just go with it. And at the end of the day, let's just be honest here about the book of Revelation. You can have someone sit there and act like they're the smartest person in the world and say they have the book of Revelation figured out and they know how it all goes and where it all stands. And there is so much that is symbolism and then there's reality mixed in with symbolism and all these different things. I doubt there's anyone alive here today who could understand all of it completely. The Lord understands it all. And I don't even know if John understood it all when he was getting to see it all. But he pinned what we needed And so there's a reason for the book. And as I said, the goal of the book of Revelation, yes, we get some insight to what's coming ahead. But it's not so you can get caught up on all that stuff. What are those locusts going to do and what part of the tribulation do they come? Those two witnesses, who exactly are they and who gets saved here? Some people get so caught up on things, even in the Word of God, what matters is Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation, everything coming to an end, is about Jesus. It's about the world finally seeing Jesus for who Jesus truly is. And it's not going to be a baby coming in a manger. It's going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah coming, and he's going to conquer. And he's going to rule, he's going to reign, and he's going to make everything better than what it is today. Chapter 10. one. It's interesting the way it starts out. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was, as it were, the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open. So this is not, remember there was a big book that Jesus had sealed up, right? A scroll, probably the title, deed to of the Earth. This is a little scroll. It's a little book. And it's not sealed, it's opened up. And so it says, and he had in his hand a little book open, and he had his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the earth. And cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. Anybody ever hear a lion roar? It almost sounds a chill down your back when you hear it. Unless you're watching Lion King. Then you're wanting Simba to get the big roar out. Come on, Simba. Come on, you can do it. He roars like a lion here. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which are the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein and the sea, and the things that are therein and the s- or the earth and the things that are therein, the sea, and the things that are therein that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel, And said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it, and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, and it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many people's and nations, and tongues, and kings. What a weird chapter. Eating a book. His belly, as it goes down, it's sweet. And when it gets to his stomach, it's bitter. Who is this angel? It's called a mighty angel. Who is this angel here? What's the little book that he has? Who are those eyes staring at me from... Oh, that's Skylar, okay. I saw eyes staring at me back there. I'm like, that's never a good thing when I see eyes staring back there. What is this chapter all about? I'm going to do my best over the next few minutes to try and make sense of this chapter and let you see a few things tonight and then we'll be on our way. Father, we're grateful for the time we have to be in the book of Revelation. And Lord, you know this passage better than I do and you know what all this stuff means, and you know what exactly is here. I pray that you just guide our thoughts and guide my actions tonight, how we need you. We love you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I believe as we get close here to the seventh trumpet sounding and then the wrath of God, the vials of God's wrath being poured out, I believe that signifies the midpoint of the book of Daniel talks about Daniel 9 verse 27. This, and he, that talking about the Antichrist, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspring of the abominations, he shall make it desolate, even under the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. I think that's pretty that he's going to set a covenant for one week. We know, we've talked about Daniel's prophecy. It's one week week of years, seven-year time, tribulation time. When the Antichrist confirms that peace treaty, it kicks off the tribulation. In the midst of the tribulation there, he's going to break that treaty off, and he's literally going to not do what he said he would do. And he's going to actually make himself as if he's God in the temple. And there's more that we go into all of that. But during the last half of the tribulation, the first half is bad. Don't get me wrong, we've read some bad things up to this point, right? But the last half, the wrath of God is unleashed on earth and on the devil and those that are here on earth at that time. And so when we look at this, we see the fact that this this is probably right here towards the middle here, but we see there's a break in the action. Why is there a break in the action? I think I said that before. You see this a few times throughout the book of Revelation. I think it's to help keep the main thought the main thought. The main thought is Jesus Christ. It's all about him, right? Isn't it all about him? He is what it's all about. The revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. The world seeing Jesus for who he truly is. And so as we get to this passage tonight, and as we look, I believe this turns our focus back to Jesus. Yes, we're hearing about what this trumpet did, what this trumpet did, where we're at in it, but I think it's showing us, hey, remember Jesus in the midst of all this. And as we look here tonight, there are several things that we see And there's some other verses I put there in your notes talking about um, how the prophets, the two prophets, will be probably the first half of the tribulation. That's there in chapter 11. And we see some things there in chapter 12 that are going to happen and all these things, but we'll get there before too long. So I'm not going to talk much about all those things. But as we look here tonight, we see number one for chapter number 10. We see the appearance of the angel. Now you'll notice that throughout the book of Revelation, you'll see mentioned several times just different angels the fifth angel the sixth angel the seventh angel will sound that trumpet before long but you see here all it says here and i saw another mighty angel come down from heaven so who is this angel and why is he was an angel here what is an angel a messenger of god right that's what an angel is so could anyone be an angel at a different time at different times, technically, the wor- when you look at the beginning of the book of Revelation and words used for an angel, technically a pastor being a messenger of God, that word could fit there as well. There's several times that I'm not saying I'm not an angel, okay? I touch- You've not been touched by an angel or anything if you shook my hand tonight. That's not what I'm saying, and don't go crazy with me. But the word messenger there. So when we look at this, who is this mighty angel? It just says a mighty angel here. So what, when we look at this tonight, what we have to do is we have to kind of look and see what it says. Now, I've got tons of commentaries. I got a book from Glenn, How to Know Revelation in an Hour or So. And it was about 42 minutes it took me to get through that book. And I like that book. You know what I loved about that book the most? It was simple. So many people on the book of Revelation, it's so complex, it's so out there. Johnny would love to read it, but for me, I like the simple books. Johnny and I, we just go back and forth with different things. And it's nice that a staff member at church showed up late for church tonight. I don't know how that happened. I know you were busy doing other stuff earlier today. But he's the one. You want deep theo- theological talks? Johnny's your guy for deep theological talks. You want basic stuff? Come talk to me all day long. And that's where I go. And so he used a word the other day. I was down in youth group, and the college students, he was talking to them. And I thought I said, the acidity of Christ. And I'm like, the acidity of Christ? the Lord is an acid you know there's no he's not like a lemon or anything like that but he was saying some other word I didn't quite understand his word there but I'm like wow that's a big word Johnny and he actually knew how to say it and I think he knew what it meant at the same time that's even more impressive if you use big words you shouldn't know what they mean and anyways that's a good thing but as we look here most commentaries most of the things that I read they believe that this angel here is Jesus Christ Say, so well, why well let me explain to you why as we look here, and who is, who is the top angel of the Lord? Jesus is, right? And there's Old Testament appearances that way. But we see here it's a mighty angel. And um, in Revelation chapter 5, if you even went back there, you could see it talks about a strong angel there. And um, when we look, look at the description. Look at what it says here in chapter 10. It says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, And a rainbow was on his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And so if you were to go back and you go to Revelation chapter number 1, and you look at Jesus Christ and you hear what he looks like in Revelation chapter number 1, and as we look there in verse number 12, you notice the fact that it's not, he doesn't look like a baby being born in a manger. Jesus looks a lot different here in the book of Revelation verse number 12 it says and i turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned i saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks one like unto the son of man clothed with a garment down to the foot and girded with paps and the golden girdle and his head and his hairs were white like wool as white as snow his eyes were as flames of fire his feet like fine brass as if they were burnt in a furnace And his voice is the sound of many waters. It talks about the sword coming out of his mouth. And you see all these things. But you'll notice that in verse 16, it talks about the Lord. It says, his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Right? Do you see that right there? And you'll notice that as we look um, at the different things throughout here, back in chapter number 10, you just see some similarities. Am I going to tell you for sure that this is Jesus here in chapter number 10? I'm not going to say that for sure, but to me it looks like it. You look at some of the things that are just mentioned. You know, the feet like fire, the face as the sun, the voice of a lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? And so there are some similarities here. And you'll even notice in chapter, if you go to chapter 11 of Revelation, you'll notice that... Um, Where am I looking there? In, in chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And there was given me a reed, like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, and the measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles in the holy city, shall they tread under foot forty in two months. And listen to, what this, listen to what this angel does in verse 3. I will give power... Unto my two witnesses, who are they witnessing about? Jesus. So he says, "I." So could it be Jesus? I tend to think it's Jesus. If you want to say it's not Jesus, that you can uh, figure that out. We'll figure it out some other time, then, if you really want to. But as we look here, I believe clearly to me, I see this being Jesus. And I believe one of the reasons why this is here is to let us know that even in the midst of all the trumpets being unleashed and the angels sounding these trumpets, that at the end of the day, the Lord is still in control of everything that takes place in the midst of it all. Do you realize that? The Lord is still in control. And I know we look today, in this world today, if we're being, the honest way to look at it is, Satan is running this world, isn't he? He's in control. But who's really in control? The Lord is. He is. You say, well, Satan's in control. He is. But who's really in control? God is. God knows what's going on. God knows all these things. We see all of that. And I believe that it's clear that God's in control of all these things. So we see the appearance of this angel. Secondly, number two, we see an announcement from this angel. What is the announcement that they make? Look at verse 5 through 7 of this passage. Look there again. It says, And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven, and the things that are therein and the earth, and the things that are therein the sea, and the things that are therein, that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, which he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets." You know, we looked earlier as we were in the book of Revelation. Remember those souls that were there before God saying, Hey, when or how long are you gonna wait? When's the time coming that you're gonna give vengeance for our deaths, basically? You know what this is saying right here? There is no more time. Time is done time this is when God is going to do these things and you know we have those verses there from chapter 6 verse 10 and 11 and they cried with a loud voice how long O Lord holy and true dost thou not judge and avenge our that dwell on the earth and white robes were given unto every one of them and it was said unto them that they should rest yet a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled and you know what that says after that you know what this that time's over. Now God's wrath is going to be unleashed. That time is over with. And I know we could look throughout the Bible, and and we could look in 2 Peter, and people have been scoffing, and where's the Lord? Where's the sign of his coming? He told people he's going to be coming. Where is he? Well, guess what? At this point, time's done. God's mercy, God's long-suffering will be done, and God's wrath is about to be poured out on everything. God's going to finish his program. You'll notice that in verse 7 there, he uses an interesting word. talks about the mystery of God. You say, what is the mystery of God? Well, some people think it's whatever was written in that little book. That was the mystery of God. You know, we understand the mystery of God when it comes to the church, but for a long time, the mystery of God, no one understood what that was. And there are some things with God you and I are never going to know all the details of. Do you realize that? Because He's God and we're not going to figure it all out. You say, well, what is that book? People have a lot of opinions about that book, too. It's amazing how people have opinions about. Did you know people have opinions about everything? Did you realize that? And sometimes they're good opinions, but at the end of the day, they're opinions. The best opinion I see is that this book is probably a, the book of the prophets. Maybe fulfilling. You think back to the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, I think it's uh, chapter 12. The Lord gives Daniel some things there and says some things, but not all of it's written out. That could be maybe what's in this book. Or maybe the prophecies that Daniel penned. All those things are written in this book. So what exactly it is, I don't know. But what we can say is, what we realize is, the end is coming. God's wrath is going to be unleashed. You see the fact that there's this angel. This angel, I believe, is Jesus Christ. And he comes and he has a book in his hand and he declares to to John and to everyone, time's up. Judgment's coming. And God's wrath is going to be unleashed on earth, which leads to point number three, which is an interesting one how John takes the book, the taking of the book. Now, look with me with verse 8 through 11. You say, Pastor, we're almost done. Don't hold your breath, okay? Don't get too excited, okay? Because there's, there's a lot to pick up in the end of this chapter here that's pretty interesting. And, uh, and the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the scene upon the earth, And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hands and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations And tongues. Now, we look at this book and we see this book being where it's at, and we think about what exactly is going on. John could see this book, this book was clear, and even some of the content of the book. But in order for him to prophesy the rest of the revelation, he needed to personally take that book does that make sense he's told to eat it we know the word of god is food spiritual food right the word of god spiritual food right the bible tells us that man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of god the bible talks about how sweeter also the home referring to the word of god God's Word, and as we look here and we... Do you know God's Word will do us no good till we actually get it for ourselves and kind of metaphorically eat it? It needs to be inside of you. Thy Word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. A lot of Christians have one of these. Or they got it on here. Very few have it in here. And that's what's missing in Christianity today. You know, I don't see a lot of it anymore, and we should do more of it ourselves here. Man, when I was a kid growing up, we we memorized verses all the time. Adults did too. Oh, pastor, I can't memorize anything. That's what everyone says. That's what everyone says. My dad went home on Monday. Driving my mom home in the car, and she's getting a little antsy in the car. Riding with me, I don't know why she's getting antsy driving with me. But I was just driving my dad's car, and my dad has this l- old love song CD in there, and these songs are like from the fifties and sixties, and they, you know. And so she's getting antsy. I'm like, Mom, you want to listen to music in the car? And I forgot that I was in there, so I just hit the play button. And I'm like, Oh no, I got to listen to this. And she's sitting here. She's like those are me and your dad's favorite songs right here. I go, oh, you remember that. And then for the next 45 minutes on the trip down, she was singing almost every word of the entire CD, which is crazy. But she did it. And she knew those songs. Those were our songs, she said. The day before, she wasn't even sure who I was, but she knew all those songs right there. But, you know, you realize there is we do remember things and special things we remember right and things of that nature and those songs they must have been real special to them i wanted to just hit my head up against the door listening to those songs over and over again it's like johnny's got a classic what was that a classic playlist that he played for me one time in his car and it was just about as bad as that cd yesterday and he's like those are classics those are then those classics need to stay away we don't need those classics anymore and so that's what, that's what happens though when you have your first girlfriend and all that is so fresh to you. Anyways, we'll leave that there. I won't go any deeper on any of those thoughts right there. But you got to understand something. Until you feed off God's word, it's not going to make a big difference in your life. And I think there's a great lesson here that as John was going to pin the rest, rest of the passage, It need to be in him before he could give it to someone else. It's a great lesson for pastors, those that preach the Word of God. If it's not in me before it gets to you, I shouldn't be preaching it. It needs to be in me. And if a pastor isn't studying, taking time to study the Word of God, and know what the Word of God says and studying it, he has no business preaching. It needs to be inside, and we see that here. You'll notice that there was a twofold effect on him here. It was sweet, and it was bitter at the same time. What does the word of God say about itself? Quick and powerful, sharp than any two-edged sword. So you say, why was it sweet? Because God's word going in is sweet. Why was it bitter? Because he knew what else was coming and what he had to prophesy about coming f- from there. And it's not always easy to preach the truth from God's Word. And it was sweet going in, and God's Word, it is sweet. But then when, you got, when when John knew what was coming, and the wrath of God being unleashed on the earth, it's no wonder it was bitter inside of him, as it says in this passage here. And the future that's coming, and you think about the blessing, the sweetness, the blessing of having the Word of God, the blessing of being able to study God's Word and to see things, but then how about when, as you're studying the Word of God and it's sweet going in, then all of a sudden the conviction sets It's like, oh, that's not, the heartburn comes in. And the Lord's convicting you about something. That's what the Word is. It's a two-edged sword. It can be sweet, it can be bitter at the same time. And we see that here. And we see the responsibility. And what we see happen is we see the fact that John is going to have to pin the rest of these things and Get them there. You see in verse number 11 it says, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations, tongues, and kings. And uh, that word before, there's a couple meanings right there in that word. Literally the meaning is you're going to have to, concerning all this stuff, you're going to have to tell a lot of people what's coming. No wonder there was a bitter feeling there. Because you wouldn't want your worst enemy. You listen to me tonight. You wouldn't want your worst enemy to go through the wrath of God. You wouldn't want anyone to have to go through what's going to happen in these closing pages of the book of Revelation. You wouldn't want anyone to go stand at the great white throne judgment and be... Depart from me, be cast into the lake of fire forever. None of us are going to want, none of us would want anyone to go there. And this is what John is looking at. This is what he's being told. This is what he ate in the word of God. He's going to have to let it be known. You know, we could look at this chapter and in all reality, what are we sure about? We're not sure about a lot in this chapter. Could that angel be Jesus? I think it is. You could sit here tonight and you could say you don't think it is. I was talking with someone today. They, um, I mentioned how I believe that, I mentioned the past two Sundays that I believe that Abraham's bosom was the place that the Old Testament saints went before Christ died on the cross. They had never heard that before. And so they just wanted more an explanation because they'd never heard that before. And then the explanation didn't quite like the explanation I had, said the good thing is it doesn't change our salvation. And that's what, that's what he told me. He's like, I'm glad it's not a salvation thing. He's like, that just doesn't, and he like Enoch walked with God, and then he was taken up with God. So if he's with God, then how was he in Abraham's bosom? Good, good question. And in all that, we don't have all the answers for every detail of everything that goes into the word of God. And even this chapter right here, I believe that this is Jesus. It might not be Jesus. But you know that what truth I see in this chapter is? that he, John was told to eat the book. And I think there's a great lesson for us on the importance of digesting and feeding daily on God's word. And those of us that te- if you teach kids at our church, you have a class where you have kids. and you. I hope that you don't come on a, on a Sunday evening or a Sunday morning and be like, Oh, let me look at my notes real quick. You should be studying those notes every single day and knowing what you're teaching those kids and what you're doing. You don't ever just go wing it anywhere. Tomorrow morning, I was asked to do a chapel at the college I used to teach at, Mary's College. I'm going to be doing chapel tomorrow. And then I was asked to cover a class. I don't know why they did that to me. So I'm going to be teaching out of the book of Genesis tomorrow, and I'm preaching chapel. I took time this week to make sure I was ready to do those things. I had chapel here this morning with our kids. I took time this week to make sure that I was feeding on God's Word. I was at the rescue mission last night. And I preached a message at 5, and I preached a message at 7.30. And both of those, I took time. And the interesting thing was, I had a message all planned for the rescue mission last night at 5. Had it, had notes for them, everything else. I didn't even preach on that. Now, what do you preach on? What I've been eating on myself. I didn't even have notes. What I've been in my own personal Bible study and what we're doing on Sunday mornings through the book of Hebrews and that faith thing, it's it's eating me up inside. And I'm really just. Dis- thinking a lot about a lot of things, and I literally just took them there, what I've been feasting on. And same thing, I was going to stick to faith then at the 7.30 service last night, but I, because there's other things I've been thinking about and other things I've been looking at in the Word of God, I went in a completely different direction. But when you're feasting on the Word of God, you're never going to run out of material. Problem is, most people don't feast on it. And then this the other thing, we think it's good enough just to read it. There's more to your Bible time than just reading it. The Bible talks about meditating on it and memorizing it, hiding it deep in your heart. You'd be amazed how much the Bible would help you in your life if you would just hide it in your heart. It's amazing how the Spirit of God uses His Word to convict me at times of things I shouldn't do because of verses that I've memorized. It would help all of us. So tonight... Who is the angel? I think it's Jesus. What do I think the little book is? It could be anything. I think it's the prophecies concerning everything that the prophets gave towards the end of everything. You say, the Bible says here that John ate it. Did he really eat it? I think he did. It said it. You say, well, was that a metaphor? Was that symbolizing? And he just read it, and so he was digesting it? I don't know. But what I do know is it's good for us to digest and to read the Word of God. You don't need to go take a bite out of your Bible tonight. I think one of my kids did that one time, didn't they? And which one of them was it? Matthew. That makes sense. Matthew's the one who took a bite out of his Bible. And I don't know. I don't think it tastes like honey going down. And I don't know how it tasted in his stomach. But he did that. We also had some kids that he's tried in the van. that They loved eating their Bible. I don't, it was just they, the paper, it was they liked it. And so... And some know who that is, but anyways. But the gist of it is, spend time in God's Word. Meditate on it. Let it change you. Feed on the Word of God. And there are things you just got, and then chew on it. Keep things fresh in your mind. Keep them there. And let the Word of God change your life. And in all reality, if John was going to preach what he needed to and prophesy the rest of it, he needed to be in the book to be able to do it. And if you're going to teach people, you need to be in the book before you teach them. If you're going to preach the Word of God, you better be in the book before you try and teach someone else. And parents, you want your kids to be in the Word of God and to grow in the Word of God, you better be in the book and let the Word of God change your life. Next week, we'll get to the two witnesses next week, and we'll see. I already told you my opinion. You've heard my opinion of who I think the two are. And who knows who those two, it could be those two or it could be someone else. But all I know is we're getting closer to the end and seeing Jesus Christ come back and what's going to happen and what day that's going to be when he comes. But this world's got a lot to go through before Jesus comes.